0: What community sounds like. Stay open. Hey guys, this is Chris from Tap the Craft. I want to tell you about a new partner that we have for the show Bee Cups. Bee Cups is the world's first line of style specific beer cups for people on the go. Whether by the beach, pool, hiking, or on the boat, Bee Cups are great for any place you can't use glassware. They're dishwasher safe, lightweight, BPA free. Recyclable, and so clear that they often get mistaken for glass. They come as four packs on Amazon.com, but two packs and variety packs are available on their website at bcups.net. That's bcups.net. Go check it out.
1: craft beer friends, and welcome to Season 6, Episode 12 of Tap the Craft Podcast. I am Denny Lewis, coming to you from Boise, Idaho, and my partner in craft, the Wells Bro from Tampa, Florida, Mr. Chris McKenzie. How are you doing tonight, and what is in your glass?
0: I am doing very good. It was one of the first days in a long time that I just did nothing. Nice. I just did nothing.
1: Well, I mean, you did uh, something. You said you showed me a photo of your of your uh, computer screens while you're trying to, you know.
0: Oh, okay. So I took I did take two, hour, 2 hours, 2 hours <laughs> and get everything caught up because we're coming into the end of the year and we got to make sure we have all of our expenses and stuff and everything recorded so that way we turn it over to the accountant in a couple of days.
1: Oh yeah, let let him do all the heavy lifting. Yeah. Make the magic uh, happen. Well, yeah, and it, that's, <laughs> I'm so glad he's there because he gets us all
0: kinds of good stuff. Oh, good. But uh, everything is good uh, in my glass today. I am actually drinking some homebrew. Nice. Uh, then I posted a picture of the boil when I was making it at the house of our chocolate milk stout. And I really am really enjoying this beer oh. a lot. Um, I actually sat down at, at my desk here a little bit ago and it had been uh, the cup had been just hanging out up here. So it was kind of warming up a little bit. The dogs are excited about something. <laughs> um, but now that it's like. Getting to be about fifty degrees. I mean, it is just
1: downright super drinkable right now. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. So, so you, you were, uh, you were making my mouth water when you were talking about it earlier in the day. So you, so you say this one is, uh got a nice roast to it. But mm, yeah, uh, that's one.
0: Yeah, like I told you in that text, it's nice and roasty, and it's got a little touch of sweetness, mm-hmm, but it it uh, it doesn't finish sweet. Yeah. So. That uh, there's just enough lactose in there just to add some sweetness to it, but it, it is. It's like if you eat really, really dark chocolate, like 72% or
1: above. Okay. Okay. How did the uh, you, you were putting in some uh, vanilla bean in there too, right? No, there were no vanilla beans oh. in there. What were you gonna? We were talking about you uh, preparing some oh, oh, the cocoa nibs. Oh, cocoa nibs. Did you put cocoa nibs yeah. in it?
0: Yeah. So I had to um, put those in some vodka mm-hmm. and then. Dump everything into the fermenter a couple days before we were ready to transfer it into the keg.
1: Okay. And and that turned out well? It
0: did. I was a little concerned about dumping vodka in there because <laughs> it says Pour ten ounces of vodka in a measuring cup and then dump your uh your cacao nibs on top of that. And just let it I, I would assume that's gonna sanitize it but also yeah. kind of make a um not an emulsion, but an extract.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes a yeah. It makes a, a liquor extract. I mean, that's what they a lot of times they do. They make that chocolate liqueur. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it's the same thing. You just kind of made a chocolate liqueur and it's, uh, put it in there. But can you can you? Does it have a nice chocolatey flavor too? It does, and
0: yeah. it's um, it's not nothing over the top. Like it's it's mostly roast, but it, it's dark chocolate after the roast in the okay. beginning. And uh, like I said, it doesn't finish very
1: sweet. It's kind of on the drier side which is not bad. Oh, it's just like I've been having a lot of milk stouts that have a similar character as you describe, where it's you know it's not that sickening sweetness at the end that mm-hmm. so many milk stouts were before that I didn't like. That's why I stayed away from them because I just didn't like that that real sweet finish. And I think brewers are really getting on board with just putting a touch of that that lactose in there just to give it a little bit of a edge off of that bitterness but still give you good flavor and that's i've really enjoyed some some nice milk styles lately so I, i'm now a fan of of that style yeah me too yeah. well i mean i've continued all
0: right enough about what's in my glass what's in your glass and and also you know how are you doing today
1: ah uh, I, well i am doing fantastic uh we've had a very busy christmas week last week and, uh, this is a, I mentioned to you earlier, this is the first day that Sarah and I have had time to ourselves where we didn't have our grandson or our daughter or our son, uh, with us. And so it's been very, very nice day. We decided to go and, uh, see the new Star Wars movie and we both really enjoyed it. So, uh, you know, hey, I'll, we, we give it two thumbs up, uh, from the loose, loose clan. And, I, and, uh, yeah, I was really pleased. I liked, I liked how the saga ended. I thought they wrapped everything up really, really nice. And so we had a, made it for a nice day. We also took down all the Christmas decorations from the house. Uh, I, we have a rule. The, the rule is, and we, we made this rule because you can't, be, you can't go 30 years of marriage without, um, having some, some guidelines and set, you know, set rules when it comes to holiday celebrations. It used to be, Sarah would put up the decorations as soon as she could. I mean, I think she'd put them up in July if she could. And then she'd leave them up until like February. And I said, enough. I can't have this Christmas stuff up, you know, half the year. So, oh, come <laughs> on. <laughs> so the rule all, has been for many years, like 15 years now, is that uh, we put it up the day after Thanksgiving, and it comes down before New Year's. Uh, that's that's the rule. We, that's the time frame I allow the Christmas stuff to be up in and in about. Uh This year, she broke the rule. She broke the rule because Thanksgiving was a lot later, or at least a week later, than normal. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to make sure everything was up and ready before then. So we actually put the decorations up two weeks before Thanksgiving. And I fought and oh. fought and fought, saying, no, this is too early. I can't do this. And I finally caved in because that's what good husbands do. <laughs> Succumb to the Christmas (laughs) period. Yes, exactly So, but I was uh, I was really happy that Sarah decided That we were going to take it down today Uh, So our house is now Christmas free Whoa And with that being said, I have to drink My last Christmas beer Uh, And I got this beer for Christmas From a friend Uh, It's from Ridgeway Brewing out of England It's one of their Bad Elf beers This is their very Bad Elf, Winter Ale and I've had this beer a number of times in the past, but it's been a few years since I've had it. So I thought, you know what? Let me just go ahead and open it up, drink it on the show. We'll, we'll kind of, uh, do the last. Well, this is actually the first show of 2020 because, but we're recording it before New mm-hmm. Year's. So, uh, this will be like a, a last, uh, toast to, uh, 2019 Christmas spirit here. And, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be honest with you. This is not my favorite winter ale. Uh, it it just I don't know something's just weird about it, and every time I've had it, I've said, "Yeah, it tastes you know the same as before." It kind of it's okay, just not uh, not the winter ales I'm used to drinking, like Jubilee and, uh, and, and and Wasel and and Christmas ale, you know, from Anchor Brewing and stuff. I, I like those a little bit better. Even some of those uh, spiced ones from Samuel Adams, I'll prefer over this winter ale. But uh, but hey, I got sixteen point nine ounces. Well, 500 milliliters uh, of beer to drink, and uh, I will drink this. And I'm also going to drink something. I was going to drink that one. This other beer I'm going to talk about too on the show instead of this one, but I decided to go with this one first. But uh, I I got a, a good, a decent beer from Breckenridge Brewing. Uh, I I haven't been a big. I, I was a fan of their porter. They had a pretty good vanilla porter back in the day, but mm-hmm. it seemed like over the years. Something changed with that beer, and it hasn't been as flavorful, as full, as I've enjoyed. So I've kind of, like, steered away. And, and a lot of the other Breckenridge beers I've had just haven't, like, lived up to what I ex- expected that style to be. Um, but I did get, to, my daughter wanted to have something lighter because I, I had a bunch of IPAs in the fridge, and she's not a big IPA fan. And I said, well, let's pick up a six-pack of something you might enjoy. And they have a vanilla, or a, a vanilla, a, a strawberry Kolsch. And I, I was hesit- hesitant to get it because strawberry is a very tough flavor to uh, come out, ni- you know, nice in a beer. Either it's going to be too weak where you don't have any strawberry flavor, because strawberries in themselves don't really have a lot of flavor if you try to make a beer out of it, um, or it comes across too artificial. You know, yeah. the the too, you know the sweetness and stuff doesn't really go well, and it, it kind of is is too cloying and and not very good flavor. And I will I'll tell you what I. I really enjoyed this Kolsch because the strawberry flavor is there, but not over, overly pronounced. You can taste it up front, but it, it it finishes, it kind of clears out pretty quick and you can still get some of that base Kolsch, uh, multi flavor, uh, in the beer too. So I really have enjoyed that one. I'll probably drink a couple of those tonight on the show as we go along because it's a nice, easy drinker, 5% beer. You know, that's what I like. Nice, easy, you know, I don't want to get too wasted on the show. That's what, that's no. your job now, Chris, is to be the okay, guy who gets yeah. wasted.
0: <laughs> well, mine are only sitting at about 6.2%. So.
1: Okay. Okay. So that's not too bad. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, before we get, you know, we kind of already been chatting away, but before we get too far into the show, I just want to make sure I explain to any new listeners out there what Tap to Craft podcast is all about. We are an educational podcast. We like to focus around celebrating all things craft beer, uh, kind of teaching our listeners about craft beer, about styles and uh, and, and different news items and stuff. So uh, we just want to help you along in your craft beer journey. Uh, you're listening to episode 142, and we're recording a, a day early on Sunday, December 29th, 2019. And in this episode, we will be discussing an article talking about some insightful craft beer predictions for 2020 it's a little bit different show normally at the end of the year show we kind of talk about our you know our top beers uh that we've had over the you know over the year and then we also do some predictions you know we have a like we do a whole series of shows leading up to the end of the year and this year i decided that ah, that's getting kind of old i wanted to change it up and so uh this time we're not going to have our own predictions we're going to just you know look at some really insightful uh predictions of what this one uh Economic expert has to, uh, has to say. And I, I think it'll, it'll be a fun conversation for Chris and I and our listeners. And also, uh, you know, I want to talk about some of our untapped, uh, year in beer stats. So we'll talk about that too. And of course you can count on Chris and I having some great beer conversation along the way. And Chris, are you prepared to find out what our listeners are drinking according to untapped? I am prepared. All right. Let's see it. And we are going to start with you, Denny. Oh, whoa! what am I
0: drinking? Well, you (laughs) were drinking about 21 hours ago the uh, What's in the Hops by Mm. Belching Beaver. Yeah. Which which you wrote, Holy Melon, Batman. (laughs) Super creamy, too. Very unique and tasty. Cheers to seven years. Now, why cheers to seven years?
1: Because that was their seventh anniversary beer. Oh. So Belching Beaver's been around for seven years. And I had to, uh, when I saw that, I was like, you know what? I got to get their anniversary beer. And I'll tell you what, that beer, uh, it had, I guess it had, uh, seven different hop varietals in there, which a lot of times when you have too many different types of hops, it can really make a muddled, uh, flavor, right? It's nothing's really Mm -hmm. standing out. Well, with the hops that they use this time, what stood out to me, was like some serious, like melon flavors. And, but it, I couldn't pin it down to like one melon, right? It was a combination of like almost like Midori, like Midori liqueur, oh. kind of a, like a melon flavor with, you know, kind of sometimes favoring towards watermelon, sometimes favoring towards honeydew. It was like a, mm-hmm. like a mixture, but I'll tell you what, uh, it's an IPA, and it was an IPA or double IPA, I can't remember which one, uh, but it, it's a, it's, it's a, a series of hop flavors i don't usually expect to see in an ipa and i I really enjoyed it Uh, i think i gave it a 3.75 but uh, you know you know i'm pretty picky when it comes to ipas but hey it's something unique that i thought that was done really well and if you have a chance to to try that one it's worth a shot yeah
0: well you gave it four caps actually Oh, four caps okay there you go so because uh, i've there's a few check-ins today, so everybody must do their beer drinking on mm. Saturday, Sunday. So we're going to have to uh, pick and choose with some of these. So first on the list is from Mr. Eric Gronley. He's drinking a Trisha by Finnegan's Brew Company at West River Park. And he writes, got the spicy biscuity malt. Little funk as well. Very mm. good. And four caps for that beer. And Tom Burns has been doing a little bit of drinking today. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, in the last twenty four hours or so, uh, and this one, he's drinking a beer that you talked about the other day. Is uh, twelve gauge from Payette, which oh. you weren't,
1: you know, hey, I'm not you a big fan it. of twelve gauge, not years.
0: a big fan of it. Um, but this is the twelve gauge s'mores 2019 from Payette Brewing Company, and he's drinking it at drinking it at Tupelo Honey, which I think is a pretty delicious restaurant. Um. And he writes, Christmas meal with the grown awesome meal, and probably the best 12-gauge I've ever, I've oh, had. There you go. Very tasty. <laughs> uh, I gave that four and a quarter caps for that one. Okay. Um, Kevin R. Gower is drinking a Cyrene Sour by Coronado Brewing Company, and he gave that one four and three quarters caps. Hmm. That's uh, almost there, Kevin, almost hmm. there. Um, Robert chew your beer is drinking a Western fashion by Alvarado street brewery. And he writes very green, hoppy and filling four and a quarter caps for that one. Mm. Uh, probably a IPA of some sort. My buddy, Stephen Brown must've been having a bottle share today. <laughs> check in after check in after check in after check in something from corporate ladder. Yeah. Tom Byrne was, uh, definitely getting into those 12 gauges. Um, <laughs> And the next one he had was the orange chocolate 12 gauge. And he wrote more of what I'm used to with this series three and a half caps. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mark Connor is drinking a blue point by Windshift Brewing. And he writes only my second oyster stout. And this is damn good. Mm. A hint of roast with a touch of oyster brine, four and a half caps.
1: Damn. Hmm.
0: Uh, I can't get behind the oyster beers yeah. and the seafood beers. I yeah. just can't. Me neither. I'm not uh, a big fan. And I and I love seafood and oysters and stuff like that, but no, not my beer. Yeah. Drink them together. Tom, you spent a little time over at Meriwether Cider Company. Mm. I had some cider flights. Wow, you did drink a lot there. Good. <laughs> mm. yep, still flipping through Tom's check-ins. Oh, he had a Christmas bomb.
1: Oh, I've, I've got that. Uh, how, what do you rate that one?
0: Uh, did you drink yours already? No. Okay. He rated it four and a quarter caps. Okay.
1: Okay. That's, that's good for Tom. So I I think I'll, uh, I, I've been wanting that beer for a while and I, I saw it at co-op. So I went ahead and picked it up. So I'll be drinking that this week. Hmm. (laughs) Nice.
0: Um, Jim Kudzall is drinking a cloud candy IPA by mighty squirrel brewing company. He said it's a hazy, juicy New England IPA. Nice to find a brewery that opens at <laughs> seven a.m.
1: on a Sunday. Uh, Damn. Are you in an airport, Jim? Cause no, so it's uh, it so it so the brewery actually wrote a comment in there and, and clarified oh, yeah, it. I see yes, that yes, we open for coffee and and uh, some breakfast items, uh, and then the beer starts pouring at eleven. So <laughs> nice, that's cool. <laughs>
0: Uh, oh man, I clicked forward. Now I gotta get through all of that nonsense. Oh man.
1: my gosh!
0: Yeah, I know. Oh, there it is. All right. Um, let's see. Tara Carlson's drinking a Deer Mac by Mighty Squirrel Brewing. You guys had a handful of check-ins at Mighty Squirrel Brewing. Um, she writes for the Deer Mac. She writes very smooth and agreeable. Four caps on that one. Mm-hmm. Cosmic Distortion from Jim. Very drinkable. Uh, New England IPA, Juicy, Hazy, and Dank. Uh, let's see. Moving on up. Mike Allen is drinking... Let's see. Mike must be getting on the, uh, the bottle share train again. Um, drinking a Moon Dance from... F- by From the Earth Brewing Company. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Couldn't say that one. Uh, and he gave that three and a quarter caps. No notes on that one. Uh, let's see. What did you... Mark a little higher, Mike. Uh, Kentucky Cosmonaut from the Earth. (laughs) Kentucky Cosmonaut from the Earth. Mm -hmm. From the Earth Brewing Company. Four caps (laughs) on that one. (laughs) I I like that name, but it's getting me a little tongue-tied already. Yeah, it's definitely a tongue twister. Uh, Let's see. Everybody's checking in a lot. It's... uh, one or two places. Uh Jim Kudzall again drinking an indulge series Mississippi Mud Pie by Mighty Squirrel Brewing Company. And he writes Dark, heavy with bitter chocolate and vanilla, thick mouthfeel, slightly boozy finish, four and a half caps on the indulge series Mississippi Mud Pie. Mm. Now where's where's Taros checking on it? Yeah, it sounds like a pastry stout, right? Yeah, it sounds uh pretty heavy. Yeah. All right, she actually rated it the same, four and a half caps. And oh. She writes, always a favorite dessert, now a favorite beer. Okay, <laughs> maybe a little vanilla is all right in beer. Okay. Oh, there we go. Four and a half caps from both of them. Uh, Chad Lamasa is drinking a Peppermint Yeti by Pools Island Brewing Company. Great beer with a meaning, meaningless Ravens game since nothing changes for them, <laughs> win or lose. Go Ravens, Chad. Yes.
1: Yeah, week 17 games. Sometimes they're, they mean something, sometimes they don't. Yeah, I gave this one five caps from
0: the Peppermint Yeti. And then William Schlemmer, he's drinking a Big Black Voodoo Daddy by Voodoo Brewing Company. Mm. And he writes, very good Imperial Stout, four and a quarter caps. He's drinking that over at Whole Foods. Mm. And James Martinez, uh, drinking at Zephyr Hills Brewing Company, the Black Label 500. Which I'd be kind of curious to know what that is because he gave it four caps, and that is an American or an imperial uh stout imperial stout mm. four caps on that one. let's see. Jeff Seiler is drinking a double dry hopped dream in green by other half brewing company four and a half caps for that that beer. And he writes, delicious, hazy IPA. Other half, brewing makes some amazing stuff. Tro- tropical and so drinkable. Moving on up to the next one. Johan Hallberg is drinking an Overkill by the Gypsy Hill Brewing Company. Uh, gave that one four caps. Uh, what is an Overkill? New England IPA. Mm-hmm. And let's see. One more. Last but not least is going to be Will- William Schlemmer again. He's drinking a Quintuple barrel big bad baptist release number two uh and he writes uh i believe that's supposed to be excellent imperial stout i get coconut on the bouquet but not in the taste goes great with the toffee dark chocolate covered pretzel cookie and four and a half caps on that one so i better just refresh it just to make sure i didn't miss anybody everybody's drinking today Mm. (laughs) That's it? Yeah, everybody's drinking today. Yeah, we'll go with one more. Mark Connor uh, is drinking a tiramisu white stout by Wind Shift Brewing. And he writes on the la- on this last check-in for us, Denny, he writes, nice, sweet dessert white stout, four and a half caps for that one. Oh, nice. White stouts definitely play with my brain.
1: The, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> And some are done really well, uh, and some are done just okay. But the, the ones that are done really well... Can, yeah, can really put a twist on your brain. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. you're like, why is this tasting so roasty when it's so light? <laughs> yeah, good job. All right. All right. Well, that's some great beer activity going on. I know we only covered a little bit because there's so much uh, drinking going on at breweries. It looks like, and that's good. You guys have fun out there. Be safe. Uh, ha- Let's get on to some other content here. Like, you know what? Christmas was just last week. And I always like to hear about any beer-related Christmas gifts that you might have received. Did so you get anything uh, beer-related for Christmas, Chris? Um, I got a few things. Uh, let's see.
0: What did I get? I got um, three new beer glasses. Uh, <clears throat> one was – I'm actually drinking out of it right now. It's just a picture of a hop, and then it says Humulus lupulus on it, underneath of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think – I can't remember where Megan got that, but it was from, like, craft com or brewershirts.com or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, two Dave Matthews beer glasses. Um, I got a t-shirt that has the patent for brewing beer. Oh really? (laughs) Um, what else was on there? I got some of those bottle chillers that you put in the freezer and then you can just drop into your bottle of beer and drink through it. So if you need to chill it really quickly, Oh really? Uh, I got a two tap,
1: uh, tower for my refrigerator <laughs> oh for your, hey you're gonna be so now you have to you have to build a kegerator the keyser. i'm gonna have to yeah you have a tap you have to use it now. well i have the
0: taps but this is a tower that would go on like a bigger on mini a, fridge
1: yeah or, yeah on a keyser. or yeah because so my friend sean put a tower on his uh his keyser. Uh, and it just lifts up the tower goes with it. It can oh, be okay. a little bit, uh, you know, of a of a headache, you know, if lifting that uh, that door up. But it still works, so you can just, you know, drill yeah, that thing in. Not or that. <laughs> probably not remind
0: that. Probably not. Oh okay. Uh, we'll have to wait till uh, probably till we move into a house that we own before I put like another fridge or something in the garage. Yeah. But you know, we'll hold on to it. I think that's about it, and then I did catch up on my advent calendar excuse me that that Megan gave me. I think I have like two beers left well wait a minute yeah. it's too late.
1: You missed the opportunity. oh no, it's
0: no <laughs> I don't even know how many were there. I could have drank more than more than what was supposed to be there. There could have been d- more than twenty five there yeah
1: she could have gave you three too. She could have yeah, okay. it was just a box of beer. you just. Used- yeah, went and a, grabbed one and yeah. drank it.
0: <laughs> I put about a half of half dozen of them in the fridge, and then as, as I took one out, I'd put a new one in and just rotate through for for December. There you go. Yeah, that works. And what about you, Denny? Did you get any cool beer related gifts?
1: I did. I got uh, one beer related gift, and it was uh, a, a complete surprise and uh, very unique, and I I liked it very much and a lot of thought went into this one and a lot of scheming behind the scenes too.
0: <laughs> and it was from my,
1: my daughter Haley. Uh, she was able to get through Chris, the logo design that, that we use for taps of craft podcast. And she has a friend, actually, I think it's a, uh, someone at works uh, husband or something uh, does some CNC engraving, like some laser and CNC uh, wood, like engraving stuff. And uh, they made a gosh it's like a uh, 10 or 12 inch round plaque made of maple maple uh, wood like a maple uh, plywood like a thin plywood uh, And it's in the shape of the bottle cap of our logo with tap to craft podcasts the barley Lee or barley uh, um, strands and some hops and and the beer glass in behind and it's, it's really nice and I'm hanging I had it hung up on my wall by my uh, by my beer glass um, cabinet, I guess is what it's called, mm-hmm. and it's it's very nice. And I thought that was quite uh, a, a very unique and, and thoughtful gift, and I really appreciate that. Uh, you know, she was able to. To get you to figure out how to get get the logo for me without giving it away, that something's gonna be done, and you did a good job, Chris. You're really good at at being sneaky. Yes, <laughs> yes. But uh, but yeah, so I thought that was really great. So I I, I really enjoyed that. Um, now now I didn't realize she was gonna take a video of of us opening it, and that morning was really really hectic. Christmas morning because. <laughs> Uh, we found out that three-year-olds, we had our grandson, and uh-huh. three-year-olds, uh, when they're two-year-olds, they're, they're okay, right? They're they're content with opening a gift and playing with the box for a few minutes while we open a gift, but mm-hmm. at three-years-old, that goes out the door. He wants to open <laughs> <laughs> it and move on to the next gift, and so pretty much it was like chaos, chaos. And, uh, and so we kind of let him open all his gifts first, and then we kind of went back and tried to open our gifts. and. And so by the time I got to opening gifts, I think my nerves and my head was already rattled. So I was kind of like in a daze. I needed a beer to like wake me back up. Um, so the video, if it looks like I'm kind of like stoned or something, it's because I was just like way out of it. Uh, but I did, I did really enjoy it. And after the video cut off, uh, you know, we, we had some more time to, uh, to talk about it and stuff. So yeah, I really enjoyed that, but, but, uh, I wasn't the only one who got a tap to craft gift though, right, Chris? Yeah, you're right. And I gotta send
0: I know we posted that video, but also wanted to say a thank you to Haley for sending me two copies of the same logo except not as big. They're coasters.
1: Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Coasters, yeah. little coaster size of our uh of our uh of our logo and, and uh I'm I'm wondering I need to I need to talk to this guy and find out if, if we can uh get him to make some in, in like a small bulk if we can get a discount, you know, maybe get mm-hmm. You know, like 20 of them or something for a, a reasonable price. And maybe we can, you know, offer these to uh, prizes or gifts to our listeners in the next year if they would like that. So I, th- I thought that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, those are our gifts. Uh, it's always good to get beer related gifts. And hey, listeners, if you got some interesting gifts, send us a voicemail and tell us what you got, explain it uh, and how much you enjoy it and whether or not, you know, you think we, we would enjoy it also. It'd be great to hear you talk about it uh, with your own voice. Or you can send an email too. Either way, but I like the voicemail part because that will enter you into a contest that we'll talk about later. Okay, so it's the end of the year and Untapped last couple years has been doing a year in beer review and they kind of take a synopsis or a summary of all your beer drinking activities, the styles, the number of Check-ins and you know all kinds of data. Now, if you're a supporter, I guess you get even more like drilled-down data you can get. But I'm not a supporter; I'm just a regular free user, so I get uh, you know most of. I think most of us uh, that that use it on the from the show just use the free version. Um, so we, but we do have some stats. So, um, Chris, do you want to start off and let us know what your beer in or year in beer stats right. were?
0: yeah my year in beer, so it's uh I, I do like seeing this every year, and it's always amazing to me to me the number of unique beers that you can drink in a year mm-hmm. without really trying yeah <laughs> uh, so the first uh first line that came up uh and if you guys haven't done this uh if you just hop on to untapped and sign in it'll it'll have a, a little banner right at the top of the screen it yeah. says the uh, your two thousand year two thousand nineteen year in beer which is going to be at untapped.com forward slash year and beer. If you guys want to go check yours out. Uh, So total check-ins for 2019 so far have been 244. And out of those 244, 242 of them have been unique beers. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Because
0: I really don't. And I think I'm like you, Denny. I don't really check into beers more than once.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Unless there's a really good purpose behind it. Yeah. Um, Number of different breweries is was 132. Man, that's I think only, that,
1: that's, yeah. That's good. That's 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 you know, over half of your beers you drank were you
0: were from different breweries. <laughs> yeah. Uh and different styles, it was eighty-three, which that one I that number can be a little confused because I know the styles aren't always correct and untapped. Mm-hmm. But uh my top five most checked in styles, this first one always
1: surprises me yes, every year, but yes. the uh the Berliner Weiss. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. From
0: yeah, from a guy who said, I don't like sour You don't beers. like
1: sours. That's your number one style.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's my number one style. Second uh, second most checked in, the American IPA. Third is going to be the double IPA. And the fourth and fifth one were kind of funny to me just because the fourth one was the Imperial Stout and the fifth was the American <laughs> Imperial.
1: Type. Yeah, why aren't they the same? I mean,
0: uh, I'm sure it's just like American barley wine and English barley. No, wine. no, no, I'm those sure are there's...
1: different. Those are different. Well, I'm sure there's
0: differences in. Uh, yeah, I'm I sure don't know. Difference. Yeah, there's probably anyway. <laughs> uh, didn't I didn't seem to travel too much this year? So states and regions and number of states and regions regions in which I drank beer is going to be three. So let's see, that would have been. Florida, uh, North Carolina, Florida,
1: or no, South Carolina,
0: Florida, Georgia, Georgia, and yeah, North Carolina, probably Nevada.
1: No, yeah, Nevada, you should have drank, and what about, didn't you go to Asheville this year?
0: No. Oh, you didn't go to Asheville this year. Okay, no, I went so. to Georgia twice.
1: Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah so, so it's Georgia, and, and Georgia Vegas, and Nevada, yeah, Nevada, yeah. okay.
0: Uh, and a the number of countries. One. Oh and, man, yeah, and, you got to get out a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm I'm itching to get out of here for a little while. And number of badges earned was 300. Which nice. you get
1: like six every time you check. A <laughs> yeah, year. I know, I know, I know. I had to turn so, off the uh, to uh, tweet my badges uh, from my Twitter because I was getting complaints that I was. Drink. I was. All you send out. Yeah, all I send out is is tweets, is beer like Untapped uh badge tweets. I'm like, okay, I'll turn it off. So then now I really don't send any tweets out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, not bad, Chris. Not bad at all. Uh, I caught up I, to you in a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The majority of
0: them you smoked me in though.
1: Well, it's just because I have a bad. Actually, I'm I I did much better this year than previous years, so I feel pretty pretty good I, I actually uh let's talk about my total check-ins um 359 uh just just under one per day uh and of my unique 358 so i had one that i had <laughs> checked in before now like, like you chris i usually won't check into a beer if i've already checked into it unless i had a beer that um improved on the rating i'll go ahead and i'll check into it to say hey yeah. this this beer changed is better and i'll check into it um, or if I have a vertical where I have a, a bunch of, you know, different, um, bottles from different years, I'll check into it again if I, if I had it a year later or two years later, just so I can talk about how it's aged. So those are the only times that I usually will check into a beer more than once. So I only had one extra check in that wasn't unique. Uh, 147 different breweries, 80 or 94 different styles. I, and and this is this is what i like about both yours and my style thing right we both have a lot of different styles so we're always mm-hmm. looking to drink a variety of beers not just the same beers you know the same ipas every time right we you know we drink lagers and stouts and different you know types of sours and belgians and all this stuff so it's nice that we have a, a wide variety of different beer styles that we enjoy drinking now this one the the top 5 most checked in styles one it <laughs> surprises me because i try not to drink what it says i'm drinking i try to like you know with 94 styles i try to drink a lot of other stuff i drink a lot of loggers but the problem is is i don't necessarily drink a lot of unique loggers i check into because breweries aren't putting out a lot of loggers right what are breweries right. putting out a lot of ipas yeah. So of course that's gonna be what my top five is all gonna be uh you know you know more uh hoppy ale. So American IPA, my number one uh top style. New England IPA, my number two, which is pretty good because that means I drink a lot of New England IPAs. Uh because my third was American Pale Ale, because I love American Pale Ale. It's a style that I think is a good balance between the the, the super hoppy and bitter. IPAs and the, the lighter blondes and, and Colch and stuff. And I like to have a little bit of that bitterness and hop flavor, but still get that maltiness. And then double IPA and then followed by New England double IPA. So I, I guess I'm an IPA freak still, uh, mm-hmm. drinking a lot of new IPAs. Um, which is okay. Now states and regions that I drank in 12. That's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I do travel. I do travel quite a bit, so mm-hmm. that's not and and countries. Three different countries, um, not too bad. I think I've had six countries in one one time. I think I had six countries one year, but three three countries. I'll take it. And then uh, badges earned three hundred six. So right there where you are, Chris, three hundred three hundred six. We're pretty close on the badges. But like you said, mm-hmm. you get a badge every time you check into a beer. It seems like. Mm-hmm. Um. So then it was. I wanted to find out a you know how what our listeners you know how their year in beer stats turned out and see if you know see if we can kind of see if they're trending like Chris and I or if they're if they're something a little bit different um i i want to state that um i had 358 unique check-ins this year that's 175 less than last year <laughs> uniques so that's uh, you know i've cut back on my my going out and getting new beers quite a bit this last year and i've been drinking a lot of and that's why i told and in, in last into last year I said one of the things I want to do is I want to drink more local beers and I wanted I want to support the local uh you know craft breweries and drink a lot of their uh you know their stuff. So I do buy a lot of local beers from the supermarket that I have my daily drinkers. And uh that's why I don't have as many uniques as I had last year. Okay. So now let's see what's the top style that our listeners I, I asked this on uh on Facebook, and we had probably what eight or ten people, you know. Yeah, there was a <clears throat> there
0: was a bunch of them. Yeah,
1: and so I kind of just took a I, pretty much all of them were IPA re- related top check-ins, mostly American IPA. Some had double IPA, and I think one had New England IPA. But IPA was the style that was the top of everyone except for you, Chris. You're the only one that that uh, that didn't have. That had Berliner uh, Weiss as your top style. Now you know
0: me. always got to be different. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So the average Uniques, about 480, I think. If I did the, you know, in my head, I kind of quickly did the, you know, wow. kind of did an average. Uh, that's pretty good. Our listeners are definitely drinking a lot of, of different beers uh, mm-hmm. and venues, uh, 80 different venues, uh, which is nice, too. Now, I know that, you know, I didn't write the venues down for you and I, Chris, because... Uh, I know you just put any venue you want, and yeah, uh, and mine would just be you know the back cave cause that's where I drink most do my most of my drinking from, so it's not really that, but it's nice, well, to like say, my I
0: was going to say my number one check
1: in is here at my house, okay, so it's called the dog run, the dog run, yes. <laughs> yeah. yes, Uh so yeah, so eighty venues that means our listeners like to get out and drink out you know outside with their friends or you know visiting breweries or or whatever, so it's good to see that you know 80 different venues uh, is nice all right so that's our uh uh our year in beer and again if you weren't able to participate on facebook go ahead and send us a you know a voicemail and just tell us like we like Chris and I did just tell us what your year in, in beer was like and explain maybe if you want to go in more details of, about why uh your stats are the way they are okay chris how about some uh, new and noteworthy beers besides your Milk Stout? You already talked about that one. Do you have any other new and noteworthy beers you want to talk about?
0: I did. I had a couple of them, and the uh, first two I want to talk about, I actually drank at the beach the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, so first one is going to be from Second Shift Brewing, and this one was called Black Noise. And Black Noise, uh, I gave four and a quarter caps to, which as soon as it came out of the cooler, it definitely needed time to warm up because it was really kind of harsh tasting fresh out of the uh out of the ice but once it warmed up it was pretty damn good uh and it was just it's a super simple what second shift writes on their kind of description and and untap says getting back to our roots our newest imperial stout black noise features no adjuncts just pure stout goodness dark rich and roasty hmm. and it was exactly that it was uh Very dark chocolate, roasty, and uh, clocked in at 9.4%. Wow. Uh, Gave that 4.25 caps on that one. Uh, The next one was from Clown Shoes up in Massachusetts. It's called the Hammer of the Lion. And Hammer of the Lion was a... Hammer of the Lion was a... (laughs) Wee Heavy aged in... Rum, brandy, and bourbon barrels. Oh, oh it was an gosh. imperial <laughs> imperial stout, <laughs> imperial stout blended with a wee heavy ale, aged in rum, brandy, and bourbon barrels. And that, you know, of course, after I went on to my tirade of all barrel aged beers taste the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this one was a little different. Oh, so, okay, okay. Well, it was because it wasn't, <laughs> and it just an imperial stout. So because of that wee heavy in there, there were some caramel notes in it, um, that I that really just made it a lot easier to drink. Even at eleven percent, mm. um, it it was a it was not hard to drink, nice. and uh, that one we gave four and a half caps too. and I think it was due to that wee heavy being in there. If it was a just an imperial stout that was barrel aged, I probably would have drank it begrudgingly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, and then the last one I want to talk about is I was actually surprised that I rated this one so high. So Megan and I went to one of our favorite music venues in Tampa called The Attic at Rock Brothers. And for those of you that know, Rock Brothers also brews their own beer and music related. So they have beers from 311 or beers from Hootie and the Blowfish, or um, I think they have a handful of other beers that are musician uh, branded. But the one that I had was from 311, 311 series called I'll Be Here A While, which was a Honey Apricot Belgian Wit and I was a little concerned with it because I didn't, I wasn't really in the mood for a wheat beer. Um, but something about the honey sounded really good to me. So I gave it a shot and I was pleasantly surprised. It was super light and easy to drink. Uh, I ended up giving it four caps and I think I had about four or five of those while I was at the concert that night. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> and it was just, it was like, it was really good. Uh, well, and it wasn't heavy or, you know, just sitting, sitting heavy in your stomach or anything like that. So... And I just kept
1: pressing the button and another one came. All right, there you go. Wow, you press a button and and beer comes oh, to you. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, you
0: actually text the bar from your seat and they bring it over to you. Oh. You're like, "Hey, I want one of these and one of these." And they <laughs> the uh, wait, wait staff drops it off and they put it on your tab. Wow, technology. I know. I love it until it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, until All the... right, Danny, what about some new and noteworthy <laughs> beers
1: for you? <laughs> All right. I I probably could give you 10. Um, uh, but I narrowed it down to five. So I'm going to start off with, uh, with, with a five cap rating beer. I might as well start with the big ones and go down, uh, from Firestone Walker. Always make fantastic beer. This is their po- par- parabola. Yeah, I said it right. Par- parabola. I, maybe I should, uh, I haven't even been drinking that much, but I, I'm still already having trouble speaking. But this is their 2019 version of this beer. It's a Russian Imperial Stout. Uh, I, I don't know what to say. It's just fantastic. <laughs> it's a nice, roasty, rich uh, Imperial Stout with a uh, nice chocolate flavor in there. Uh, it's also thick, a little bit warming, but not boozy, which is what I like. I don't, I don't like it when the Russian Imperial Stouts get you know have any kind of booziness to it. I like just having that 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 nice roasty bitterness and and not the too too warming but it was a little bit of warming and uh great beer five five cap rating there. Have you had that one uh, in a while? Chris? I know you can't get Firestone um, walker, but I swear I just had parabola recently did uh is it one of the ones that uh Tom sent you? It was Tom, either or? one he sent me
0: or it was one that I grabbed when I was in uh, Las Vegas, Las Vegas. The last time. Yeah. I think that was it. Yeah, because it was. uh, I drank it while we were in Georgia.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I uh, I like that they're doing these now in those uh, smaller bottles, like those third liters or yeah, whatever they are. Me too. It's nice. I I think
0: they're just twelve ounce bottles.
1: Or yeah, twelve ounce. Maybe they're twelve ounce bottles. It's good. Uh, Mm -hmm. All right. And then the next beer, uh, Epic Brewing. We've talked about Epic Brewing's big, big, bad Baptist beers before, and this is the chocolate rapture. And I mentioned in the last episode, I think, chew uh, your beer, uh, Robert was had drank one or someone had drank one, and and I said I mentioned that I had had a bottle of that myself, and uh, my daughter and I shared this beer, and it was really really good, uh, four point seven five cap rating, and uh, I I mean it's it's just it's got great chocolate flavor, and uh, eh, it's thick and it's like a big back Baptist with a little bit extra chocolate in there. So, Hey, can I derail you real quick? Sure. Did,
0: uh, did you guys end up drinking that game of Thrones beer?
1: Not, no, I forgot I had it. And so now I have to drink it myself. Yep. So, uh, See what happened? yeah, yeah. I need, well, yeah, this I like, I
0: have to drink it myself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 25 ounces of, uh, of goodness there. But, uh, yeah. So, um, one side note on this, uh, Big Back Baptist is. I drank this on um, Sarah's and my thirtieth wedding anniversary on uh, December twenty third. So I went big uh, with this because I wanted to, you know, have something something good to to uh, celebrate with. Sarah only took nose hits of it; she didn't actually drink any. So um, I wish she could have uh, enjoyed it with me, but no luck. All right, the next one is uh, changing. You know, leaving the the, the Imperial Stout uh, alone, going to something a little bit lighter, but not that much lighter. This is from Mad Swede Brewing here in Boise, Idaho. And they released a new beer, a beer that I hadn't had uh, before. Uh, it's called their Fenrir Weizenbach. And it's a dark, dark uh, wheat bach. Or, yeah, wheat bach. And uh, this beer was really, really good. I gave it uh, a four-and-a-half cap rating. I I, uh, I really enjoyed this beer. Done really well. They only had a small batch of it, so I went ahead and grabbed a, a pint of that, uh, and that's how we started off our 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 winter break uh, on that Friday before last. And then the last beer I'm going to talk about is from Jim Dandy Brewing, uh, called Space Haze, and this is a new uh, it's an, it's a hazy IPA that they release with Cryo hops. We mentioned Cryo hops a few episodes ago. You know when we were uh, we're wondering what those were all about, and uh, this beer was really good. Uh, my daughter Haley brought this down uh, for me from Pocatello when she arrived uh, that Friday before last, and uh, we sh- we shared it. She's not a big IPA fan, but she loves everything Jim Danny does, and she really enjoyed this too. Really smooth, creamy mouthfeel. Um, those cryo hops really gives you that burst of of flavor that I, I really enjoy. It's like a It's hard to explain, but it's like a a jolt of flavor, kind of like kind of made a a funny when I checked in. That It's kind of like, you know, launching you into uh, into a space haze uh, with that flavor. But the other thing special about this beer is that uh, uh, when Haley went in to uh, pick it up, uh, the, you know, the owner, who's also named Haley, she she's she's heard that this was for me for she was getting for my dad, for her dad. And, uh, Haley said, no, 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 this is on the house, uh, for all the, the kind words that, uh, that we say for Jim Dandy. So thank you, Haley, for, uh, for gifting me, uh, this beer. It was really good. And I'm looking forward, uh, to getting down there in a month or two and, uh, doing our interview, uh, that, mm-hmm. that I want to do down there at Jim Dandy. Find out about their, their start in, in brewing and how they, uh, you know, why they, they picked Pocatello to come start up another brewery and what the challenges were in getting that brewery started there and, and talk about some of their, you know, some of their, uh, their plans, what their future holds. So I'm um, hoping to do that in the next couple months and that's it. Those are my beers. I guess that was only four. One, two, th- three, four. Yeah, not five. So not too bad. All right. Okay. We, we didn't have any voicemails. Uh, Chris, what was our contest going to be? We, we we're going to have a, our next uh, B cups contest was well, going to be a, a voicemail one, right? People send voicemails. I think or? we were going to do a voicemail, yeah. Okay, so yep, <clears throat> get on the phone, call two zero eight five three six three three five nine or two zero eight five three oddly, and leave leave a voicemail. Uh, and and you can get entered into that contest. Uh, we'd love to hear, you know, about your uh, Christmas gifts, uh, beer related, uh, your beer. Year in review, or whatever you want to talk about, just get in there and leave us a message. You'll be entered into the contest. Um, no iTunes reviews. Actually, um, I, I just want to quickly uh, mention that uh, that this year uh, I've really enjoyed 2019. I thought we had some great content. Uh, we had some great interaction with the with our listeners. Uh, but uh, looking at the numbers, uh, we've we've actually lost like. Two thirds of our, of our listener, uh, group. And I don't know if it's because people are listening on other, other means, you know, like we're, they're not downloading from iTunes and they're not downloading from the website. Mm-hmm. And those are the, the, the sites that I can get numbers from. Uh, so the streaming services are a little tougher to get actual numbers of, str- you know, of what the streaming is. So maybe people are, are getting the show differently than they were before, but I, I kind of get, got a little sad when I looked at numbers and saw that we've had a decline in, in number of, of downloads over, uh, this year. So, uh, we need to, we need to go out there and, and tell our friends about the show. If you really enjoy what Chris and I are doing, let, let people know, spread the word. Um, I think I need to, to, to go, if you have any, you know, podcasts that, that, you know, people are, are doing podcasts, if you could just, uh, you know, give a little, uh, you know, mini plug for tap to craft about, you know, craft beer and, and what we do. Uh, be really appreciated. And if you do that, let us know and we'll plug your podcast. I have no problem plugging other people's podcasts. Uh, we've done it before and I'll keep doing it. And, and we just share that, that wealth. It'd be nice to spread the word and, and see if we can pick up some additional, uh, listeners out there. Cause, you know, that's what it's all about is spreading the word. So spread the word to your friends. All right, and if you would like to contact the show, you can do that uh, with your questions or comments through email at tap at gmail.com or on Twitter, just follow us at tap craft And, of course, on Facebook at facebook.com slash tap craft And I already mentioned the voicemail number. It's 208-536-3359 or 208-53-ODDLY and leave a voicemail. And we want to thank Open Forum Radio Network for supporting the show and providing the hosting space at openforumradio.com. And if you enjoy the content that Chris and I are putting out, we know you'll find some other great content from these shows. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny, John, and Chris. Hey, and if you want to check out more great podcasts, check out the Open Forum Radio Network over at openforumradio.com. We have such podcasts such as Open Forum Radio Proper, Facetious, Geeks for the Win, Gamer Husband's Radio, The OMG Hour, Gaming Vessels, Slash Entertainment, and Conspiracy Otter. Hey, Thank you so much for checking out Tap the Craft today and please leave these fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this great show. Hey, thanks again for listening. Alright, now it's time for the Brew Buzz. The Brew Buzz is a vote of discussing various brilliant topics. And this week we are going to discuss an article called Twenty Puns and Twenty Predictions for Twenty Twenty. And this was found on BeerCrunchers dot com blog and it's written by Doug. I don't know what Doug's last name is. He doesn't write down what his last name is, but <laughs> but uh All right, and Doug is a CPA. and This is how Doug described himself on his blog. He says he's a CPA with a knack for photography, design, and social media. Professionally, he is a CFO and head of communications for Revolution Brewing. Uh, And these opinions are his own. And, uh, again, this is a blog. So this is like, you know, blogs are where people like to just go ahead and uh, spill out their opinions on things, and, and, and this is what his opinions are. And uh I thought it was some of the stuff he has to say is a different twist on the industry than what we normally would, you know, we normally might see because we don't, you know, unless you're in it, like maybe John, he, you know, he probably knows a little bit because he's in it now. But, uh, you know, Chris, you and I, we're not in the industry. We're kind of outsiders looking in. And with somebody who's mm-hmm. working close, you know, close to the big beer and uh, smaller breweries, you know, mid to smaller breweries, and... Uh, you know, he, he, this little byline just kind of tells you a little short synopsis, but he's worked for s- small breweries, mid, mid, mid-sized breweries and big breweries. Uh, so he's got a lot of uh, experience in the beer industry. And, uh, so there's 20, 20, different, uh, trend or predictions or his little take on it. And he calls them, uh, puns and predictions because each title of each little segment is a pun. So I thought it's kind of a, a unique way of, of, you know, doing this whole predicting, uh, what's going to happen in 2020 or the future beyond 2020. So I'll start it off and then we'll just kind of rotate through each of the 20 different items. You know, I'll do one and Chris will do one and I'll go back and forth and we'll just talk about anything that's interesting to talk about. And if there's anything interesting to talk about, we'll just move on to the next one. But, uh, but I think we'll find some stuff to talk about. All right. Starting and again, uh, these are these are the 20 puns and predictions for 2020, and he has them in no particular order. So it's not in, like, the, you know, top order. These are just the way he, he spelled them out. So the first one starting off is Craft Beer Lightens Up. When working on the brand Everyday Hero, which is a 4.3% session IPA at Revolution Brewing in 2018, I wanted to call it Light Hero or Hero Light. That got shot down pretty quickly because at the time, the group felt as the word light was anti-craft, and consumers would assume it was a lager. The rationale made sense, and Everyday Hero was a great name with a ton of potential itself. About a month after its release, I scrolled through the untapped reviews to see what people were saying, and I would see reviews like, Light and Easy, I like it, or Solid Light IPA. While I think the right decision was made, I also think I was onto something albeit risky. In 2020, I expect to see a big wave of craft brewers putting the word light in their brand launches. There's been a sporadic there's been sporadic examples getting cute with it like night shifts, nightlight, and the upcoming debut of Bell's Lighthearted. I believe that a big wave of craft brewers will put light to the te- to the test next year and it will be even more direct than those mentioned. So, interesting inside look at you know trying to you know market your beer and I agree that 2018 even before 2018 anything that had the word light in it, anyone that really is into craft beer would not look at it as something they want to drink They didn't want to drink anything light they want a lot of people especially I'm talking about myself and the friends that you know that I had uh, that were starting to get into craft beer, when we went to craft beer, we didn't want anything light. We wanted everything, like, big, bold, flavorful, like the biggest piney, hoppy IPAs you can find. We didn't want anything light and and, and easy to drink. We weren't paying this higher-end money to drink that stuff. If we want that, we'll just go drink the Budweiser. We wanted stuff that was, like, that that made it, you know, that, that was, like, worth paying the extra money for. And, again, this was in a time... Especially back in the early two thousands, before craft beer boom, you know, started going and people were a lot of people were drinking it. Um, but now, with the Anheuser Busch commercials, you know, making fun of craft beer and, and everything, and, and knowing that the big beers with those light names, uh, you know, might have a a bad uh, image for craft beer, uh, you know, making a, a change a, a change to the wording back then made sense. Now as they mentioned light is no longer a voodoo word because people are looking to drink things that are lighter in calories and uh you know lighter in alcohol content more sessionable uh, easy easy to drink but still have the flavor that you're looking for in a good quality beer what do you think chris
0: hmm <clears throat> it is going to be uh i don't know i'd kind of go with him i'm kind of like you been kind of stuck on beer flavored beers
1: yeah yeah
0: (laughs) Um, and even and even like you said in the beginnings of it it was like no give us the biggest baddest thing you can come up with and now it's
1: now we want to kind of dial it back a little bit yeah yeah. because i think you know craft beer is still you know trying to you know struggling to to get more and more market share and it's trying to survive it was even more of a struggle back in the early days, right? Because there just wasn't a lot, you know, craft beer was, you know, it was a different entity, you know, mainline people weren't drinking it. It was mm-hmm. just made for the beer geeks that liked bitter, nasty beer, what people would think. And now there's, it's got where a lot of people are drinking craft beer. And maybe they're they're drinking craft beer every once in a while and they're still drinking a lot of Budweiser and and Big Beer because it's cheaper and they can drink a lot of it. They only drink craft, you know, when they're going out with their friends uh, and they're going to a brewery. You know, who knows? I I mean, there's a lot of different things going on. But but now that there's more wide stream participation from a lot of different, you know, beginning drinkers to uh, old fogies like myself, uh, you know, there's there's people that are looking for beer flavored beer and beers that aren't gonna you know that knock you on your ass after one beer right we don't, that's great sometimes but a lot of times you don't want to get knocked on your butt you want to be able to drink it and and have a few like I was drinking I, I was over at our friend's house uh, two days Friday and uh, we were playing um, we were playing some games and we were drinking some beer and I was drinking the Melvin's uh, Killer Bees. A uh, blondale and it's a five percent beer. But you know, we were drinking and playing games. The beer goes down really quickly when you drink when you're playing games. And I didn't want to be drinking an IPA when I'm drinking one after another because what ends up happening is you're getting hop gut, right? You don't want to be getting all that hop gut. So I was. I, I, it was really nice to be drinking a bunch of these Blondales that still gave me the enjoyment of drinking beer. wasn't kicking my butt with the alcohol and the flavor was light enough where I could keep drinking more and more, kind of like you drinking that honey wit, right? It was something mm-hmm. that was easy to drink and uh, was lighter in alcohol, and you could drink six of them without, you know, losing your mind. So, but yeah, I, I kind of, I agree with this, and I'm, I'll i be curious to see if the word light does show up in more uh, beers this year. That's a good, nice prediction. Okay, Chris, why don't you get to the next one?
0: So speaking of hops, <laughs> <with your laughs> hop <cut. laughs> so hops stay up, and IPA and all its subfamilies have been carrying the growth of craft beer for mo- most of the decade. Whether it was the varying ABVs of sessions, pales, IPAs, doubles, and triples, the unique hop varieties and combinations, or new methods like the hazy, the brute, and the sour, the slate felt endless. I worry that we're heading toward the leveling off phase of the style as far as innovation goes, which long-term could lead to gradually fading interest. Market forces, however, are going to prop up IPA and allow it to continue posting high single-digit growth in 2020. Uh, It's up 14% in the last 52 weeks. Mm. Wow. Um, As shelf space for beer shrinks in favor of alternatives, the weakest brands will get cut out of the store sets. A weak uh, brewery will four, uh, oh, with a brewery four. with four shelf spots might be left with only two. And guess which style will prevail in most situations? The IPA. In other words, shelf space will shrink for beer, leaving IPA with a higher percentage of space than ever. IPA will grow at the expense of the other styles. So I've already mm. seen this. Have you have you seen I mean, this
1: on the shelves? I, don't, I know you don't buy a lot of beer at the at the market or whatever, but in what you have gone to the market and seen, have you seen that the, the shelf space for beers that you might've had four or five beers from a brewery on there. Now you only have two and of those it's IPA and maybe, you know, one other style, but it might be two IPAs that are there. Yeah. I did notice that actually um,
0: when Megan and I were in Atlanta for work and we ran to the grocery store, it was like you either get Bud Light and, Budweiser or something like that or you get the IPA of the local stuff mm-hmm. that you know I don't know what the beer scene is in the town where we were you know I don't yeah. know if those IPAs have been sitting in that fridge for eight nine ten months too so yeah yeah it was like well it was either we risk it on some old oxidized IPAs <laughs> or we go with you know go with something a little more simple and uh we, we kind of lean towards the more simple choices like the Blondales or mm-hmm. the Wits or something like that. that yeah. You know, was still a local choice, but, you know, you knew it wasn't going to be, you know, off if it wasn't extremely fresh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I have seen our grocery store's beer shelf uh, for the craft beer. We used to have, like, you go into a, a spot, you'd have one big, giant, long, cooler, you know, like a... 30 or 40 foot cooler that was all the craft beer and then you'd have another 30 or 40 it was all the Budweiser and and stuff and I've seen that shrink down so that now that the seltzer stuff is now sharing the craft beer uh, cooler Mm -hmm. and the cider is sharing the craft beer cooler and now craft beer the actual craft beer is half of that cooler and now when I went go in there and I would see four different uh, beer styles from Full sale, There's only one, may or two, and it's going to be the malted IPA is what's on there right now. And then they'll have, they'll have that one, or and if they have a second one, it'll be the amber. And those are two styles they have for for Full Sail, where Full sale would have four or five or six beers that you know whatever new is coming. You know, Woodmere doesn't have any shelf space anymore. Right now, I think they have one one spot for their Widmere Burr. And then they have a spot for their 12 packs where you can get a a mixed sampler 12 pack, you know, in there where before Widmere would have three or four spots for their beer. And and now that Widmere is an anheuser Bush, I wonder that's going to probably change, right? Because now if they just got that craft beer alliance just got picked up. I'm sure they're going to see more uh, of the Widmere stuff. Now Kona, Kona has four or five different ones because they're selling hot. And so they, they'll have five different varieties, but I just don't buy a lot of Kona. I want, you know, drink some other stuff. So I've seen this already happen where we're losing those spots. We're losing craft beer uh, variety. And what ends up being in there is a whole cooler full of IPA uh, mostly. And that's, it is sad. It's sad that we're we're starting to see that because that, that variety is getting less and less. And, uh, and I need variety as we've as we've seen in our tap yeah. year and beer we want variety okay yeah, at least a new one every day yeah at least one <laughs> per day all right the next one thick and crispy the unfiltered lager <laughs> so that's kind of <laughs> uh, i kind of like these little puns uh, there are a few breweries making a ton of beer with a and a ton of breweries making a little bit of beer they each play by different rules have different customers and have Success with different styles. Craft lager has always been challenged with consumers being a lot more comfortable paying $9.99 for a six pack of pale ale than they are for a craft lager. And I agree with that. That's the same mentality that I, I was talking about earlier with, uh, uh, with, with, with people buying craft beer. They, they want to, if they're going to pay the big money for it, they want to have big alcohol and, and big flavor. Uh, which is cheaper to make? Raw materials wise, typically it's a lager. But when it comes down to the value placed on tank time, which will vary from brewery to brewery depending on the extent they are bumping into the capacity constraints. Despite the struggles that logger has had at a macro level, 2020 is going to feel like they're back and bigger than ever. As innovation around IPA stalls, the long tail is looking to loggers as a new way to get their consumers and themselves excited. What the beer enthusiasts who frequent small, small and local breweries loves is a hook or for a lack of a better word, a gimmick. Enter the unfiltered Pilsner. And <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, while I can't claim to be among the earliest adopters, you definitely would find me sprinting to the map room four years ago when they would fly in a keg of unfiltered, unpasteurized Pilsner or Quell. People like quote special and I'm no different. But this version of an internationally respected lager is based off of beer that has been mastered. In 2020, we're going to see a lot of small breweries known for IPAs and stouts jump right into unfiltered Pilsner instead of mastering the crisp, clean version first. It will be a little annoying, but their consumers will respond better. And if that's what it takes to get beer traders excited about lager, isn't it worth it? At least they're not going to be called hazy lagers. So uh I don't know about this one. Um I don't know. I have never even heard of an unfiltered lager before. It just doesn't even sound uh you know, it doesn't even sound right. Uh you know, one of the things people, you know, like is is a crisp clean uh super clear super clear pilsner, right? And yeah. once you start putting haze into it, um it's going to start to affect that crispness, that refreshing aspect. It's going to be, you know, I'm afraid it's going to be more like, I don't know. It's going to, it's going to give you a different uh, mouthfeel. It's going to be, I don't know. I agree with them. Um, if a, you know, it's one thing for a brewery who has mastered a lager to go ahead and do an unfiltered thing and still make it taste great because they already have mastered the ability to make this crisp lager. But you know what? There aren't a lot of craft breweries making lagers, right? They don't have the tank space to do it. John's not making lagers. He doesn't want to go and devote, you know, that tank time to have a logger when he knows that he can make all his money selling hoppy stuff. So he's gonna mm-hmm. put through the hoppy stuff, right? He's gonna he's gonna pump through his fermenters through the stuff that, that sells. Uh and that takes less time to produce so he can just get more out there and not run out of beer.
0: So But there are plenty of breweries out there making lager beers like we actually just had a brewery open up here locally that uh their big shtick is they do mostly lager beers Mhm. so it's kind of like you either don't do them at all yeah there's like no in between it's like yeah. you either there's nothing you don't do them at all or you do a ton of them and yeah. you're good at them
1: yeah that's the thing is that if you devote your brewery like Chuckanut nut brewing that they only do lagers so they've, you know, they were, you know, early. You know, they said, "Hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to only do loggers," and they're very successful because they make very good loggers. In fact, the, you know, the owner of Chuckanut is the owner of the first craft brewery that I visited back in 1991. That was Thomas Kemper Brewing, and what 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 grabbed us with their beer was their logger. <laughs> That's exactly what was, like, our favorite beer to go drink was their lager. Um, you know, so they know how to make, you know, he knows how to make good lagers, and that's why they're so successful. And maybe, you know, some breweries will do the same thing. Maybe that's their niche, right? Um, if if you're in an area and you want to open a brewery, but all the breweries are doing IPAs and stouts and, and sours and things, but nobody's really doing lagers, um, you take a risk of coming in and saying, hey, I'm devoting my... Sole beer production into doing loggers, and 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 see how you know you're gonna you're gonna either do well or you're gonna fail because no one wants to go and drink loggers. So it depends on the you know the market and and how good your loggers are, uh, whether or not you can really survive uh, in this uh, c- competitive marketplace. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I think this uh, unfiltered pilsner thing. I don't. I I've never heard of unfiltered, Filter Pilsner. Now, of course, yeah. if I would have, you know, gone to uh, uh, to Prague, maybe I would uh, <laughs> uh, I, I would have had some, but because I haven't gone, I, I haven't had it. But uh, we'll see. I, I think this one's risky. I don't know if a lot of brewers are really going to uh, dive into that that thing.
0: All right. Well, the haze thickens, Denny. <laughs> okay. Thankfully, I don't mean that literally. Uh, Hazy IPAs have reached widespread acceptance in the second half of 2019, thanks in part to hard seltzer for the distraction. (laughs) In, In 2020, the subset of IPA will carry the load for the hop forward category's growth. I know my readers want that West Coast IPA back in vogue. And while you'll see plenty in your local tap rooms, not so fast from a distribution perspective. The most powerful, powerful breweries have focused in on haze, including Sierra Nevada, New Belgium, Bell's, Firestone Walker, and on down the top fifty lists. And the momentum is still building. Hazy went mainstream and has the support of distributors and retailers. It may feel like it's already peaked with hardcore enthusiasts, but it's got a lot of damage left to do in the major leagues. In the upcoming era of the SKU rationalization and keep it simple, stupid, scaled breweries are focusing in on one well-rounded drinkable version and getting behind the brand. Mm -hmm. While I'm sure you've had enough hazy puns, it's absolutely crucial, in my opinion, (laughs) that hazy be in the name. Make it simple for the casual consumer and avoid the missed sales. Here's a few fun stats on the power of hazy. Hazy little thing has passed torpedo to become Sierra Nevada's number two brand. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, Mind Haze is already Firestone Walker's number two selling individual brand in its first year, though miles behind the untouchable 805. Mm. And Bell's, their official, is their number three selling brand behind Two Hearted and Oberon, which is a seasonal beer. Mm. Yeah, I mean that if. Well, those numbers don't lie, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. a lot of those have only been around for a year or two, and you know, yeah. they're already in their in their top top beers list.
1: Yeah, I'd have to say both Hazy Little Thing and Mine Haze. I haven't had the Bell's Official, but those two, the first two beers, man, those are really well done, mass produced, hazy, you know, juicy IPAs that are easy to drink and have and and are done really well and. You can go get a six pack almost anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And, and you can enjoy that without paying an arm and a leg. Now I enjoy revision brewing. I love their stuff, but I can't go pick up a four pack or six pack because I don't want to pay $26 for, you know, or $24 for, you know, a a set of beer, right? They're expensive. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll go have one 16 ounce can and, and pay five bucks for it and, uh, and get to enjoy it. But I don't want to go, I'm not going to buy it in mass production where I will go buy mind haze uh you know for 9.99 a six pack and drink that you know I'll drink a few of those six packs you know a week uh and enjoy myself for a, a cheap price so i i i i think she's on something i think that that breweries are going to have to go ahead and get behind one or two maybe a hazy IPA and a hazy double IPA you know get get behind m- one of each and, and stick with it and say, Hey, here's our hazy beers for people that really enjoy the hazy. Uh, and, and of course, like he said, keep the hazy in. I completely agree that hazy is the key. Having the New England IPA in there, uh, is not going to win over the casual drinker that knows he likes hazy IPAs, right? If you have hazy in there, they know what they're getting. They're going to get that hazy, juicy, flavored, lighter, uh, bitterness IPA. And that's, that's the key of, of, of making those things successful. Yeah. Okay, I like that one. Uh, And, uh, you know, in that last one, he he spoke a little bit of seltzer. Well, guess what? Seltzer's bubbles up. I don't know what officially makes something a fad versus a trend versus a thing, but I do know that the seltzer category is not just a one-year wonder. White Claw and Truly are going to continue to grow having earned the full attention and focus of their distributors and retailers. Even if you think they've reached peak popularity this past summer, and he says they didn't, there's a whole first half of 2020 in comparison to 2019, where they'll see massive growth year over year, not to mention addressing their out of stocks, their benefit of new line extensions and continuing to build out marketing plans. White Claw and Truly will maintain their massive market shares despite the hundreds of new regional and local choices. So, seltzer's something I still haven't had a seltzer. I never, I've still have not had a, a sip you of. Haven't? No, I still haven't. And I think it's. Be, I, I want to try it eventually, but I don't want to drink alcohol just because it has alcohol in it and doesn't have anything that's going to back it up, right? And I understand that there's people that want to go out. And drink something that's light in calories and gets the bubbly stuff they like and, and has alcohol to make them feel bubbly. But I don't want that. I don't drink to get bubbly. I drink to enjoy the flavor of what I'm drinking. And I don't think I'm going to enjoy what I'm drinking in seltzer. The seltzer is made for people who just want to get freaking wasted and not really have any flavor. <laughs> uh, I don't even drink seltzer water that's non alcohol because I, for thing I don't like drinking carbonated things. Beer is the only carbonated drink I drink and I don't drink a ton of it because I don't do well with carbonation. And so I don't drink seltzer water. I don't drink bubbly water. I don't drink soda at all. I drink zero soda. I haven't drank soda since I was 16 years old. I don't, I don't like bubbly things, but beer is the exception because I don't, I don't guzzle it. I don't drink enough that the bubbles are going to, you know, affect me. Um, so that's, that's the reason why I haven't done it. Now, are there a lot of people out there that that's their thing? Yeah. And is seltzer gonna hard seltzer gonna be a thing? I think to last a while. I think it will because I think people like the ease of drinking something that doesn't taste like beer, doesn't taste like hard alcohol, and that you know that uh, you know that is light and easy to drink and low calories, so they're not going to gain a lot of weight and get some the buzz they want. So I think it is going to be around. And there's a ton of breweries, local craft breweries now that are doing a seltzer. Mad Sweet has a seltzer. Payette has a seltzer. You know, every, all these different small breweries here and locally, they have a, a version of a seltzer. Woodland Empire has a seltzer. They all have them now. And so they're becoming a thing that that these breweries realize they have to have, you know, because people are enjoying them. But it's just not for me. Um, but I'm just an oddball, I guess. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I had one. Uh, actually, I did a secret shop with the Secret Hopper the other day. Oh, and, Uh they had a, a seltzer on where I went.
1: Did not try it, but oh, oh! I thought you were going to say you you actually no. tried it and and you and now it's your new thing and you're, that's all you're going to drink. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll admit
0: there are some white claw type drinks in the house.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's good for people that that like that, right? I mean, there were so many uh, growing up. Um, you know, women didn't. I, I'm I just. I'm not saying women don't like beer, but women that I grew up with, none of them liked beer. Sarah was the only exception of the fact. And that's what drew me to her. One of the things that I liked is that she liked beer, but so many women didn't like beer. They would rather drink wine coolers was a thing back then or Zima or, you know, they didn't even have apples. They didn't have cider. They had wine coolers and Zima and wine and people that didn't like wine would drink wine coolers because it didn't taste like wine. And so, I can see where even nowadays I'm sure there's a lot of young women drinkers that don't like beer that want something that, you know, they can drink out and about partying on the tailgating or whatever and, and be part of the fun without, you know, having to have a, a daiquiri or whatever, you know, something, uh, a bigger. So I, I can see where this, there's a, there's a draw for it for sure. But, um, uh, but it's still funny. I, I still have, I, I know more, men that drink the seltzer hard seltzers, than i know women so maybe it's just for uh guys that uh that don't like beer also
0: well they are good for mixers i do know yeah, that yeah
1: <clears throat> that's the one thing i would try is to do mixers with them i mean i've been i've been drinking this last just so besides beer i've been drinking uh moscow mules we've been making moscow mules mm-hmm. um kind of fun drink to drink and light and and i like ginger so the you know, ginger beer is always good to to have. So, um, so yeah, I could see, you know, mixing, mixing some of these seltzer, hard seltzers in to give you a little extra boost. But I already mix my, uh, my gin strong. I, I mean, I like a lot of, or, well, when I make a gin and tonic, I like my gin and tonic strong. Um, when I mix my Moscow mules, I like my vodka, you know, be strong in there too. So I already mix them, you know, stronger and normal. I'd have to cut back on the vodka if I threw in a <laughs> seltzer.
0: Nah, never mind. <laughs> all right. So, speaking of seltzers, there's been some good segues into each each of these ones that we're reading. So, Bon and Viv gets burial at sea. Anheuser Busch got off to a slow start in the hard seltzer category. Bon and Viv was their initial play, and even with all the distribution power behind it, the brand is a dog. <laughs> In the last 13 weeks, the company's Natural Light Seltzer, which didn't launch until late summer, has four times the sales, at least in dollars, as of Bon & Viv. I know that there's a a price margin differential between the two, but 1% of the market share at this point will not keep them motivated. Natural Light Seltzer is slaying and soon to launch Bud Light Seltzer is going (laughs) to be uh, is going to be an absolute monster. But Bon and Viv's dream of living on land with White Claw and Truly will be short lived and the brand will join Sebastian at the bottom of the ocean. Or <laughs> it should have he ruined that. It will join
1: Sebastian under the sea. <laughs> Maybe he couldn't do that for a copyright or some kind of uh, <laughs> uh yeah. Okay, do you care about I don't care about this one I, I don't yeah, so we'll move on to the next one. uh sour breweries call the kettle black i I like this one too i <laughs> you know it's all based on the fact that kettle sours were always foo food, and now mm-hmm. they're realizing that hey, this is uh not so bad, but I don't want to spoil it, so let me just read this. okay, my last blog post about hard seltzer was my most misunderstood. And though it performed very well and got lots of good feedback, it definitely did not resonate across the board. The premise was that Seltzer created this large new category of drinkers who have a high spin tolerance that is easier to target than any other demographic right now. I believe that enough of this audience would be open to particular styles of beer with the right tweaks to the recipes and messaging and represent the biggest white space out there for craft breweries looking to... Stick to beer. New formulations of kettle sours, Gozes, Berliners, etc., will be deployed as seltzer, seltzer, seltzer alternatives. Uh, it's hard to say, but bas- basically seltzer alternatives. He put it all in one word, but I can't say that word. And will serve as a great bet for an uptick in volume. Last week I felt vindicated when The Lost Abbey, my favorite brewery in the world, announced their entrance into the Better For You market by acquiring the naming rights to Tiny Bubbles from the Hollister Brewing Company. Founder Tommy Arthur, who gave the State of Craft Beer presentation at last week's Brewbound session, declared, The challenge of staying in the craft beer business at this very moment is going to be defined by authentic alternatives. Though Kettle Sours have historically been the nemesis of breweries focused on barrel-aged sours and the Wild Ales, the Lost Abbey knows that it's time to put that behind them. Others will follow. In Tommy's words, tiny bubbles will go after consumers they ha- they can't currently reach and target a youthfulness we don't have, and the hope is we're going to have fun. So I I, I think this has always been... You know, one of the things with sour ales and especially lighter sour ales like the Goza and the, uh, Berliner Weiss is that it's, a, it is an alternative. It's a beer alternative for people that don't like beer, but like wine or like things similar to, to that, uh, that, that tart, tart flavor. And, um, and it was the, the correct way of, of doing sours is using the, uh, you know is doing it after the boil right you you do the boil and you put it into a vessel and then you throw in the the sour bugs and let them do the things naturally to sour the beer and that 's the the quote correct way of of getting a sour beer but then Brewers found that there is a way of doing it where you don 't have to contaminate your entire system when you do it. You put the sourness into the beer and then you heat the you get let's do a sourness then you heat it up to get rid of the you know, all the bad bacteria and then move it on to your fermenters. And now you don't risk contaminating all your your line because you have sour bugs in it. Um, but people were doing this originally and they had bad batches where these kettle sours were giving off off flavors. And those off flavors were, were not good, right? And they, and they would leave people drinking sours that said, man, this beer is horrible. Well, guess what? Times change, right? People learn the right and wrong way of doing things, and then they, they end up correcting the mistakes they made. And now, kettle sours are actually, in my opinion, some you know better than some of the barrel aged sours as far as the acidity uh, and the and the just the, you know the uh, the ability to melt your uh, enamel off your teeth. You know, some of those mm. those other sours are really harsh and really hard to drink. And I'm finding that these kettle sours are not that harsh. They're a lot lighter alternative, and they're and they, they don't have those negative effects anymore. And I think that yeah, uh, more and more breweries are going to do this. And I'm I'm kind of glad to see that Lost Abbey uh, has seen the error of their way because I remember uh, you know when Tommy would be on a podcast and mention that uh, you know foo foo the you know poo poo the kettle sour we do you know do things uh, the right way. Uh, now they're seeing that hey. Uh, This is an alternative that uh, that can go ahead and and get uh, uh, get this in a mass production way to to, uh, provide an alternative to those seeking other uh, non beer beverages. What do you think, Chris? Do you agree?
0: Um, Well, I was kind of thinking of something that I heard before I left Ohio. There was a brewery uh, nearby to one of one of the breweries that I used to go to that they had all of their equipment get infected with these bugs. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, everything that they brew had some kind of, uh, off flavor in it and they couldn't figure it out. And then they realized after some testing that they had, uh, certain bacterias in all of their brewing equipment. So it was, uh,
1: they had to kind of stop
0: and start over.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a thorough cleaning that can take a lot of time. So, 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 even if you don't take into consideration the lost beer or if you serve the beer, even though it has these off flavors, the lost customers, right? Those are the two mm-hmm. biggest things. You're lost a customer base and you're lost a beer because this thing got contaminated and you got to dump it all. And if you dump multiple batches before you realize it, that's a lot of money wasted. Oh, but yeah. then even the harder thing is going through and dismantling your entire operation, cleaning every single O-ring, every – Every pipe, everything to get rid of this stuff. Uh, that is where the money. And if it got into your canning line, you're screwed, right? Now you, that's even harder to clean it out of your canning or bottling line. Um, so yeah, it's a big, it's a big headache unless you're going to devote your entire beer to sours. Um, then you need to have two separate facilities to do regular sours versus, um, regular beers. Uh, so the kettle sour is a, is the the best way of doing small batch sours that you don't, you know, if you're only doing one sour or a few sours a year, uh, that's the best way, you know, do it that way. You you save all that headache.
0: And I bet you most people couldn't tell the difference anyway.
1: Yeah. Most people I don't think could.
0: Yeah. All right. So hard coffee is a grind. When I read about, <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same thing when I read about it, when I read about Pabst launching their hard coffee this past July, I wasn't, still am genuinely intrigued. I'm a coffee addict. I love Pabst as a company and a brand and couldn't think of another product like it. Then Miller Coors, now Molson Coors, announced their own two months later. Two major players set out to create a category within two months of each other that seemingly didn't exist prior. And there's likely many more on the way. They've had my curiosity, but now they have my attention. oh a long time ago I dipped my toe in the startup world and would always be asked, "What problem are you solving?" It was frustrating, but a harsh reality when putting your idea to the test to see if there's really enough of a market. The answers I received on hard coffee include weekend brunch, tailgates and pre-gaming for a night out. <laughs> Others, "That's <laughs> not a bad idea." <laughs> Others brought up functional benefits like wanting to loosen up while also staying awake. Yeah, that's that's a fun fun thing. <laughs> Uppers and downers all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or even a late night blackjack session at the casino. All of these are certainly fair, but how do you achieve volume yeah. at the standards of such big companies, given the infrequency of these occasions and the fact that you'd rarely have two? I'm sure that the margins are leaps and bounds higher per case than the majority of their products, but will the velocity on the shelves keep up? I just can't wrap my head around these. And I'm kind of with him, Denny. i i mean, I do like coffee, beers to an extent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they can have the hard coffee.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't see the hard coffee. Uh, when when we first read the article on that earlier in the year, I was like, no, I don't see. I'll never. I would. I have no need to drink uh, coffee with booze in it. Uh, I just don't need it. Uh, and like you just mentioned. I enjoy a good coffee stout or espresso stout or whatever, but you know what? I, I look to drink those beers at the right time. If I drink that beer at seven o'clock at night, um, I'm not going to be sleeping that night until later in the evening. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I don't, so again, I'm a weird fella. I, I drink coffee because I enjoy the coffee and I also enjoy the caffeine kick, but I don't drink it because I, I want to have the caffeine like I want to be hopped up on caffeine. I drink it because I enjoy the flavor, but I enjoy also a little bit of the the wake-up it gives, per, perk me up it gives me in the morning. But I only drink two cups of coffee in the morning before I go to work, that's it. That's all I drink caffeine all day. I have no more caffeine the rest of the day. And the reason I do that is twofold. I don't want to be addicted to caffeine. I don't want to have to have it. If I miss a day of coffee, I'm not going to be, you know, hurting. I can go a day or two without coffee. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect me. And I don't want to uh you know deal with all the a- acid problems that drinking coffee adds to it too you know and and the uh, uh the twitchiness with the caffeine adds as mm-hmm. you as you get twitchy i need to stay uh twitch free and gut you know gut safe uh and i drink my coffee black 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 i i i like black coffee i like dark roasted uh strong bitter coffee that's what i enjoy and i i enjoy that two cups in the morning before 7am and that's how I drink all day. Now, with that being said, I'm very sensitive to caffeine. So if I do drink something with caffeine in it later in the day, like past you know, three o'clock, it does affect my sleep. Uh makes it harder for me to fall asleep at night uh if I do drink it. So I will typically drink all my coffee beers on a on a weekend. Um usually, you know, Around one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon, so that I have time for that to wear wear off. Even though it's not a a huge amount, there's still enough caffeine in that thing that gives me that little bit of edge that keeps me from falling asleep. Yeah, I'm a weirdo, but there's no way. And and I think he does a really good job of you know of, of saying, hey, what who's who's going to be drinking this? Right? When would you want to drink this? He has some ideas, but those ideas of people that might drink it for these reasons, it's not like every single day. It's not more than one or two they'll have, right? They're not going to be drinking a, 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 a case of this uh, a week, right? They're going to be drinking, you know, and they're not going to drink it before they go to work, most likely, right? Who's People that need coffee and caffeine, uh, you know, they— I mean, co- coffee and uh, and alcohol. They're not going to be drinking it to and then go to work. They're not going to be drinking it and then studying for a uh, a cram session for their homework or whatever, right? I mean, I think there's a very limited amount of uh, use for this beer, so it's going to be a niche thing that's going to be used, you know, once or twice a week, one beer, um, you know, per time. I, I I see this bombing big time. All right, we gave that way more uh, talking than I planned. <laughs> So let's get on to the next one. Tupac, Tupac for sure.
0: <laughs> now you have to sing this part. No, no, I can't sing. You, you want to Come sing? on. Uh, these, uh, these are your – you put yourself in for this. And it uh, starts out, let me welcome everybody to the wild, wild west, a state of no bombers that anyone can attest. <laughs> and you can take it from there.
1: Okay. Tickers don't need 16-ounce four-packs of high-gravity or intense barrel-aged beers or pastry stouts. They really just want a can or two – so they can quickly move on to the next thing. In the city of Chicago, at least, it's illegal to sell a 16 ounce or less single beer to go. Enter the two pack. Which I, which this Get, it? It, Tupac? Yeah, Get yeah, it? Yeah, two pack. Get it? Yeah. It's, which in, which in, uh, intrigues me too, this whole two pack thing. The two pack, the two pack, uh, which has been making its way to specialty shops and tap rooms throughout 2019. The motivation is simply to get it into a can, and most of these breweries are set up for 16-ounce, not 12-ounce. Despite the fact that 16-ounce is still excessive, expect the amount of these two-packs you see to multiply exponentially in 2020. I like it. I like it. I like it, too. And, but, okay. but who knew that Chicago had some bizarre rule? It's Chicago. That you couldn't buy a, single, a, lot of stupid a single beer. I mean, why? <laughs> It
0: used to be like that, kind of like that in Pittsburgh, except you couldn't buy anything less than, less a, than
1: a yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's stupid too. That's. I mean, I just the only that the way thing you could buy stupid. a
0: single beer was you walked into a bar and said, "Hey, I'll take a bottle of this," and then you had to stay there and drink it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm intrigued, and I think this isn't a great alternative for for selling things into stores that don't sell individual beers, right? You go to the supermarket, most supermarkets make you buy a six-pack or a Mm -hmm. four-pack, whatever the package it comes in. Now, if you're able to buy two 16-ounce cans instead of a four-pack or a six-pack, I like the idea of being able to have a smaller sample size, so if I can just go and grab two beers of things I want to try instead of a whole six-pack. I'm all for it. I like this idea. Uh, So, yeah, if they can uh, bring this to the market and, and, and be able to get it on store shelves, uh, and make it happen. I'll be happy. I like it.
0: Yeah. I do like seeing a lot of those beers. Uh, and it made a, a mention in here that they, you know, they only want a can or two so they can quickly move on to the next thing. That actually struck a chord with me. And I was like, I've kind of got beer ADD.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: and it's like, well, yeah, I've tried it. Let's log it and let's move on to the next one. And then, you know, we'll see if this is a daily drinker, or see yeah. if this is a daily drinker. And, um, I know there's a couple breweries that did that fairly recently where it was just a two pack of cans and it was like a big 12% barrel aged, uh, Imperial stout. And it was two 16 ounce cans. And I was like, Oh, it's two cans. Well, it's a lot better than buying a bomber of it. Cause then you got to drink 22 or 24 ounces. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't want to have to drink all of that by myself. 16 ounces. That's still a little much, but that's still a lot better. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Much better.
0: <laughs> all right, barrel aged sours can thrive. I was a proponent on moving barrel aged stouts and barley wines to cans, having been a part of the decision to do so at Revolution Brewing, going with the black cans, black ends, and nice cartons helped make for the help make up for the premium feel that large format bottles were known for. There were so many reasons for making the change, including how small format, cans provide more occasions for fans to enjoy them. Uh, Though doing barrel-aged sours, aside from small projects at our brew pub, has never gotten a serious push. I also had a harder time picturing those in cans now that barrel-aged stouts have paved the way. I think we're ready for sours. In 2020, we'll see some high-end sour producers move to cans in hopes of capturing more of today's enthusiasts. The challenge will be how to give them that premium feel. And I look forward to seeing what breweries come up with. So this, uh, I really love the fact that they're moving more towards cans.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I really do. I I do too. And, and I never thought I'd ever say that. Um, but I, my first, uh, go to is if they have it in cans, if I, if I can get it in cans, that's the first go to. And then if they don't, then I'll go with the bottles. But I've, it's amazing how that I just prefer drinking or, or purchasing my beers in cans. It's easier to get in my fridge. It's easier to take on the go. I've got, I've got a lot of these, uh, you know, those re- reusable six pack containers that I have mm-hmm. split into six packs and four packs. And I'll just go and punch a couple of different variety of beers in there and take them on the go. And I can take them to my friend's house and I can take them to the, you know, park or whatever. I like the form factor and if i can get my big beers and my sours and you know and specialty beers in them hey you know what the beers taste great in the can just as good as they taste in a bottle sometimes better but to write about getting the if you're going to have a high-end product that you want to be able to you know get a good price for you got to have something that makes it stand out and i have a revolution can right in front of me right now that i uh that I got, uh, that actually Tom Byrne gave me. It's the Rye Way to Heaven, which is their Rye Ale. Um, And it's part of their limited edition Deep Wood series. And this can stands out because it does have that black top. And when you see a a can with a black top, it makes it seem like it's extra special, right? It's like the special black top edition. And I think if breweries find a way to make these things special, it's going to be just as you know, as special as wax tops are, you know, you know that when people see a wax top beer, they say, ooh, that's got to be a good one because it's wax top. Well, you know what? Go ahead and make the can a little bit different than your normal can to so stand out, and people are going to know that's a special beer. That's, the next thing is going to be real quick because I don't even know what this is. Uh, the new tick. Facebook has become an absolute dumpster fire for businesses with organic engagement in the toilet. Instagram is still red hot, but the platform's maturity makes it tough to build or expand an audience these days. Twitter is Twitter. Breweries will begin turning to TikTok to start fresh with video-driven, behind-the-scenes look into their brewery and people with a focus on appealing to younger demographics. Yeah, I've I've seen this TikTok thing bounce around the airwaves, but I don't know what it is. And you know what? I don't need another damn social media thing to go and... uh <laughs> and uh, to, to download on my phone to watch videos of breweries. So I don't know if this yeah, is... Yeah, you a, do. You're going to love it. No, I don't think no, so. No, I,
0: I don't have it yet either. But like you said, it's a, it's another kind of social networking or social media app. Uh, it's mostly for sharing uh, short videos. Kind of like the company that, that disappeared called Vine.
1: Vine. I, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, Vine was just like this, right? But
0: Vine was only limited to six seconds. And it did turn out to a, a lot of cool little snippets. Uh, that were even me and a few friends even made a couple, but it, um, you know, these are going to be up to 60 seconds, I believe, oh, as far okay. as uh, the ability that you can put in the video. So it's, uh, it's growing. It's currently in 2019, TikTok was announced to be the seventh most downloaded mo- mobile app of the decade. In the decade, oh, it's only oh. been out. Since uh, initial release was 2016,
1: <laughs> well, it's because it's again the key is to appeal to the younger demographics. These are the kids that were raised on cell phones, so maybe they have to have their head stuck in this phone all the time. Uh, you know, I'm backing away from social media. I almost spend no time. Well, I've never really spent many time much time on Facebook. I only have it for the website or for the podcast. And even I my you into it, yeah, and even my Twitter. I'm doing less and less on Twitter than I was before because I'm just tired of seeing all the crap on there. So for me, I'm getting – I'm starting away from – and I haven't been on Instagram. I get on Instagram like once a year, post something, and then I'm off again for a year. <laughs> I, I just – i I'm just not I, – I guess I'm an old fogey that just doesn't do it anymore. Uh So, yeah, for the younger demographic, I guess you can do that. Now catch that young crowd that that's always got to be connected and their face and their phone – I'm still an old school guy that likes to talk to people you know i want i want I like to interact and not just uh, spend my time in my in my phone so
0: I like using that to my advantage, especially with work mm-hmm. because we, we do deal with the public on a very regular basis, and uh if anyone ever brings a concern up to us, you know they you know they're not happy with the service yeah. or whatever it is and ninety nine percent of the time I know they're talking out of their butt. <laughs> So my favorite thing to do is like, hey, you know what? I understand that there that there's an issue. I'd love to talk to you about it. Why don't you come and meet me? Uh, we, we can sit down and talk about it uh, in our office and, yeah. and go through it that way. And it seems like 75% of the time, I never hear from them again. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's not worth it to – it's not that big of an issue to go face to face. So then – but it's easy for them to just do it from the – an animo- uh, being anonymously a digital, a digital, yeah, a digital yeah you're not yeah you're not face to face so you can do it and it's easier for them to do it that way well you can still be a keyboard warrior yeah
0: yeah mm-hmm. that's that's why i do it cuz i know a lot of the things that i see people send us in text messages in the past and you know whatever it happens to be they will never tell you that right to your face yeah the right. people that do i appreciate it because i know you have some balls and i know you're <laughs> you're, you're literally going to back up what you're saying yeah <clears throat> All right, moving on to multi-sized crawlers. Distribution challenges and law changes will lead to breweries doubling down on their tap rooms. Additionally, those who've lost their newness and face shinier new competition will look for ways to differentiate themselves and remain a draw. One of the unexpected ways that they'll do that they'll offer value and increase the ticket of their customer is through, excuse me, multi-sized crawlers ranging from 8 ounces, that is way too small, to 32 <laughs> ounces of those small brewery-only beers. While an 8-ounce Crowler might seem ridiculous, oh good, you guys, <laughs> it's like this part was written for me, it allows for a small, one-off, barrel-aged beer to be sold over-the-counter without needing to develop artwork and experience losses, low fills, etc., during packaging. Credit to Austin Beer Works for being the first I saw doing this. Yeah, so it's uh, kind of feeding into our beer ADD again. Yeah. Going, okay, yeah. you want to try it? This is not, this is just a little bigger than the tasting
1: glass that you yeah. get of this. So, and then you can still take it home. Yeah. So, this sounds like a great idea. I mean, I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a great idea. But again, John is listening right now and he knows because he had to, and he's told me that, hey, you know, doing a Crowler. Is great. You know, it allows people to take them home and doing different sizes would be great. But the problem is, is that you can't just buy, you know, uh, one box or two boxes or whatever of of Mm -hmm. these cans, right? You have to buy them in in a certain amount, (laughs) a certain amount of pallets, right? (laughs) Now you got to store these things somewhere. And a small brewery like John's, I mean, he might have space. He might be able to put them someplace, but you got to keep them clean too. You don't want to, you know, you got to do a lot of, you got to keep them clean so you can't store them outside. Uh, but now you gotta order, you know, four pallets of, of Crowders and different, now in different sizes. Um, it becomes a logistic nightmare just to, to, you have to, for one thing, come up with all that uh, money up front to, uh, you know, to uh, purchase them. Now you have labels. So now you gotta have, uh, Crowler labels that will fit eight ounce cans, 32 ounce cans, 16 ounce cans, and, you know, all these different cans. So that becomes a, a nightmare. Uh, so although it is a, a cool idea, uh, unless they can come up with ways of and, and these growlers, you know, they come pre-made. So they're not easy to store. They're these are big pallets of stuff that, you know, these full uh cans. Uh you know. So yeah, it's an interesting I like the idea. I'd love to be able to have smaller than 32 ounce. I honestly I like the 32 ounce because it was half the size of a growler. Because I found myself mm-hmm. feeling like I had to drink the whole growler every time I got it filled. And I would drink a 12 ounce beer, all 64 ounces of it, uh, you know, one sitting. And that's hard to do, you know, and I, I literally would, I, I drank this, uh, imperial blonde ale that was 12%. Uh, I drank three glasses, passed out, took like an hour nap, woke up, drank the last glass because I literally passed, like fell asleep in the middle of my beer drinking yeah. thing because it was 12%. <laughs> <laughs> so uh but yeah i like the idea of of um of some of those specialty beers like they don't want to put a uh a low volume you know let's say they like john let's say he makes a pilot batch a one barrel batch of a loose of a screw. of a loose screw right and now the he either serves it only on tap or he serves it in in the uh crowlers well he's got a Give up 32 ounces or 64 ounces of that. And all of a sudden that one barrel doesn't last very long. If it's a big beer that people want to, you know, buy a lot. Plus now you have to price that, that big container at a hefty price. Who wants to pay $25 for a crowler of beer? Right. I mean, that's a lot of money for, for a crowler, but maybe they can get it into eight ounces. Now they can charge $7 for that eight ounce. $7 is easier to swallow than 25 sometimes. Taproom and retailer friction forces to the surface. Tension between brewery taprooms and their local retailers has been mostly behind the scenes, but rising to a level of beer podcasts and panel discussions, which has evolved into events and collaborations. Bringing the conversation into public light has not improved the situation, and I would argue confidently that it's worse than ever. The pie, at least here in Chicago, is not growing, and the breweries, are put in difficult situations of alloc- allocating their small batch, specialty, and barrel-aged beers. Each business handles it differently, and I would argue that some are very short-sighted about it. If you make a special beer and have 60 cases of it, just because you could sell it out of your tap room doesn't mean you'll be able to, to, to do that a year from now. Do you invest in the beginning and share the wealth with, uh, from the beginning, or do you bank, uh, bank the cash and deal with the consequences later? For those banking the cash, the retailers will stand up to tap rooms and no longer allow them to dictate these terms. Cooler heads have not prevailed thus far, and I expect that to continue getting worse in 2020. So I guess this is a do I, I, I don't hear about these problems, but I understand that this could be a problem, right? If, you know, how to—I mean— I guess it only matters if you're actually distributing your beer outside your tap room. If you only put your beer in your tap room, it's no big deal. But now, Matt, like, like for a lot of the breweries here in Boise, they're doing uh, cans and cans and/or bottle releases to the uh, public market. Plus, they're selling their kegs to bars and they're serving their own tap room. Uh, when they release, like, let's say Matt Swede, let's say this this uh, Weisenbach that they released, uh, low 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 batch. You know, there's not that much of it. They decide this beer is only going to be released in their tap room, and it, it becomes a hit. And uh, yeah, people come to the tap room, they buy it, uh, and then they go ahead and they say, well, "We're going to we're going to release this more." Uh, now the, the you know retailers are getting pissed off because hey, this beer that people want to get, we can't buy it at our bar, or we can't get it you know at at uh, you know at our crowler shop or whatever. Um, I guess that could be a problem. I don't know. I don't hear about these things. We're not a podcast that really talks about it because we don't have the inside. Uh, scoop on it i guess if john uh once he starts uh you know distributing his beer outside of his brewery more often he might have some stories to tell if he ever comes back on the show uh be curious to see what john has to say about it but have you heard any of these kind of problems with uh, uh, with beer releases no
0: not really uh i mean you know obviously some breweries are a bigger draw for for their beers than others but um haven't heard anything out of the normal Okay. Of just, you know, hey, it was difficult to get this beer and everybody's butt hurt about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next one is going to be misuse of bubble floats on. As an econ major, a pet peeve of mine is the rampant misuse of the term bubble. Bubbles have everything to do with price and nothing to do with the number of competitors. It's when prices rise to artificial, unsustainable levels, followed by a steep decline. The number of houses in 2008 didn't crash, their value did. The following could be bubbles within craft beer. Craft beer valuations, or multiples, and the prices that macro breweries were paying, Ballast Point. Mm -hmm. Um, Secondary market prices of toppling Goliath stouts. Mm -hmm. Jeez, no kidding. (laughs) Um, And then $26 four-packs of triple dry-hopped IPAs. I'm sure some of those sound familiar to everybody too. Uh, Craft breweries are still opening, craft beer is still growing, and handfuls of breweries closing and selling doesn't make it a bubble. The industry industry will be challenged heavily by non-alcoholics, CBD, seltzers, etc., and eventually could run out of room to grow. Breweries will continue to be forced to sell or close, and they'll continue to produce too many SKUs, SKUs, uh, but the sheer number of them doesn't constitute a bubble. The misused definition will be more, the mis- misused definition will be used more than ever in 2020, and I'll be annoyed and rant.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, I like that he he really does explain, you know, what the, uh, you know, what the bubble really means. And I, mm-hmm. I appreciate that because a lot of times we do misunderstand what the bubble bubble is. You're going to have breweries that will come and go. Uh, and, but that's caused by the, the valuation, you know, all the stuff that he kind of mentions is that, um, that, that these, these things could cause, uh, shifts that cause things to go, go bad and, and, bre- and smaller breweries or bigger breweries go out of business because they bet their, you know, they bet on the wrong thing and it didn't work out. So yeah, I thought that was that was interesting um but yeah, we've all seen i mean, we've already seen the and, and we haven't talked about it, but you know or I don't think we've talked about it, but uh uh you know, we had the uh, ballast point got bought out by constellation, well, constellation just sold it to this other no name brewery uh for super cheap mm-hmm. uh, and and uh I mean. And there's some other brewery uh, purchases going on, like the uh, Whitmire, the the Brewer craft brewers alliance actually sold the remaining shares that that didn't get sold before to Anheuser Bush. Basically, Anheuser Bush played them. Uh, they were they turned down the uh, buying them outright for the high valuation price that they were going to get at that time, knowing most likely knowing that because that happened, the the stock of those of those shares, the price would, re- would reduce so that they could then pick a- pick up those shares and buy out the remaining at a lot cheaper price, which is really sad. And, uh, and a bummer that they, uh, that they cheated the craft brewers Alliance out of getting more money, or at least the investors out of more money. So that was kind of a bummer deal, but there's been a few other brewery things that have gone on that we haven't talked about. Cause I'm getting kind of tired of talking about that stuff, but those have happened. Um, uh, but, yeah, there's valuation. It's kind of an interesting thing. So, Chris, um, we're, we're stopping at 14. There's there's six more – or, no, 16. I don't know. Is there six or four more left? I can't remember. We stopped. at a bunch. It? Yeah, we have a bunch <laughs> left. Uh, the show is starting to get a little long, and I think the re- remaining ones are not as interesting as the ones we've already talked about. So if you would like to read up on the last remaining ones we didn't talk about, you can go to the website – Uh, The link will be on the show post at openformradio.com when this show releases, and you can go and look at those uh, for yourself and read the last ones. But just because I end up talking way more than I thought I was going to talk, 20 is just too many to do. I think 14 is is the right amount. (laughs) Okay, Chris, now that we're all winded and tired and drunk, uh, let's go ahead and close this show out. But before we finish out, Uh, this episode. It's our chance to raise our glass to someone we'd like to raise a glass to. So who'd like to raise a glass to tonight?
0: Well, I would kind of like to steal a little bit of your thunder. Oh, steal Uh, it all.
1: Steal it all. Yeah,
0: and I want to give a huge shout out and I thank you for all of our listeners and and all the time they spend interacting with us, whether it be through voicemails, get your voicemails in so you can win a set of B-cups. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and, and interacting with us on Facebook and, and Twitter and, and all the places that they do. Because like you said, we do this for you guys. Mm. Uh, we do this so we can do exactly that. So we can interact with people about their craft beer journey uh, and see what everybody else is enjoying and not enjoying and, uh, you know, styles that you love and you hate or that you're willing to try and try and try to find find the right one of that style so uh thank you guys for everything uh, in 2019 it's been an awesome year
1: yeah yeah so that was my shout out but i'll give one more shout out to uh, again to jim dandy brewing haley uh for uh for providing me with that uh that crowler of your wonderful space haze thank you very much and happy new year and, uh, uh of course, being a former serviceman, I, I also want to raise my glass and thank all those who have served and who are currently serving in the U.S. military services, protecting our freedoms. Uh, without these freedoms, Chris and I wouldn't be able to get on and chat about beer. We wouldn't be able to drink beer, maybe. So uh, I just want to raise my glass to you and, and please return home safely to your families very soon. And, Chris, why don't you go ahead and uh, toast our sponsors?
0: Sure. I'd love to raise a glass to B Cups, the supplier of outdoor craft beer cups for partnering up with us. And I encourage our listeners to go to their website at bcups.net. That's B C U P S dot net. Or you can check out the other things that they have going on at fermentedreality.com. And you can check out the world's first full line of style specific plastic beer cups for people on the go, whether hanging out at the beach, by the pool, hiking in the wilderness, or even enjoying some time on the boat. B-cups are great for any place you can't use standard glassware. You can also go visit our friends at Tavor, and you can use the promo code TAPTHECRAFT, which is all one word, and it will give any new user a $10 credit after they spend $25.
1: Okay. You can find the beers and the links to the articles mentioned in the show in the show notes located on a show post at openformradio.com. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at loosegrew. And Chris, how can others just follow you?
0: You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore McKenzie 82 or untapped and Instagram at MCK one, three, four, five. And of course you can always find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash tap the craft.
1: All right. It is last call. It's time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading, listening. And we ask you to please tell a friend and also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher radio, tune in, Google play, Spotify, or however you listen to your podcast. As a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers.